trial we saw briefly just so briefly in John 18:14 and that's at Ananias's house and and he, and he talked about how Caiaphas was saying it would be good if one person would die for the sake of the people i.e. Jesus is doing some amazing things he's got the people all you know excited about him and his messiahship but they're saying well rather than going out and just wiping all the people out let's just kill the, the, the root the source of the problem, and that is that man, Jesus Christ. We don't like him. He's causing us a lot of problems. Uh, and they realize that he has a political pull. He's got political favor with the people. The people like Jesus, and rightfully so, because Jesus is very likable. Um, and also, I think people are drawn to his message. They're drawn to his testimony. And certainly, if not, we've seen thousands of people are certainly interested in his miracles. They want to see him producing miracles. I mean, even today, we're going to see another fellow called Herod who is very interested in seeing his miracles. So they want to be tantalized. They, want to, they like to be you know, entertained by the wonderful things that Jesus is doing. So there's various reasons why people are following Jesus. So certainly, they're not going to have... A, a mass murder. <laughs> they're not going to go out and just wipe out everyone. They want to just deal with the, the main problem. And the main problem, as far as they can see, is Jesus. If we get rid of Jesus, the people will just calm down and they'll leave us alone. And this, it'll be over for us. So that was the, the plan. That's the scheme from the Sanhedrin. Uh, then we see the second little trial, and this is a Caiaphas, a bigger trial. This is where they're fishing around looking for a charge. Now bear in mind, I, I, I kind of labeled this no evidence, no charge. At this point, there is no evidence. There's no proof. There's no reason to charge Jesus. So because of that, there really is no charge. So he's on trial without conviction. He's in trial without any kind of charge against him. So why am I here on trial? Jesus could say, uh, we don't know yet. We'll figure it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't like you. That's why you're here. So it's, 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 it's an illegal court situation. So the chief priests in Matthew 26, 59, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they can put him to death. So how can we, we don't like him. We want him dead. How are we going to make this happen? That's what they're trying to do. In the charge they finally find against him, the, what they're going to use is a charge that assumes that he's actually being wrong, that he's lying, that he's misleading people about who he says he is. He says he's the Messiah. But the question really is, is he the Messiah or is he not the Messiah? If he's not the Messiah, then the charge of blasphemy is correct. But if he is the Messiah, their charge of blasphemy is incorrect. So I guess for all of us here in this room, we have to answer that question for ourselves. Personally, is Jesus the Messiah or is he not the Messiah? If he's not the Messiah, then he's, then he's a false, well, he's, 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 he's performing blasphemy. You know, he's doing a great offense against God, and okay, he should die. But if he is the Messiah, you know, the Son of God, the Chosen One, the King of the, of the Jews, you know, the, the one who's going to bring in, you know, as we said to the kids simply today, eternal life, real life, you know, salvation for the people. If this is him, the Messiah... And we believe in him, then we disagree with the Sanhedrin did. 
And we say, no, you know, he is claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God, but however, he's telling the truth. So the, really, the charge of blasphemy is still, it's wrong, it's incorrect. Um, so the next slide, please. And then we have the third, which I call the non-trial, because I don't even think Jesus was even there for this one. They just kind of want to figure out what they're going to do. So, and this had to happen in the regular operating hours of, of courts. So when they all got up, when it was an, an appropriate time in the morning. So this is not like midnight, late night, early morning. This is proper morning. So when, when people are up getting ready for work type of morning. And so at this time, the chief priests and elders, they finally met together in a legal sense, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the appropriate time. And they made plans on how they would execute Jesus. So their, their meeting wasn't to have a proper trial, because they've already decided, they've already found the charge, now they want to have them executed. So how are we going to get this to happen? How are we going to make this? Because they, they realize that, that they didn't have the power to execute him. So they're going to have to get Pilate. They're going to have to get the Roman governor involved. So we want him dead. The charges are, is claimed to be Messiah. They're seeing it as blasphemy. But how are they going to sell it to Pilate? Now you see, blasphemy, it's, it's, it was an offense in Rome, but it wasn't an executable offense. Okay, if they brought that to Pilate, listen, he's says he's the Messiah. He's blaspheming our God. Pilate would say, naughty Jesus, don't do that again. But he wouldn't he wouldn't kill him for it. That, that, that's not a strong enough charge for, for the Romans. Yes, it was not good, but it wasn't enough to kill a man. So they had to think, how are we going to twist this? Yeah, how are we going to twist this? So the Pilate will be convinced to kill him. So here they are. They're going to lead him to Pilate. And that's where we get to this morning. The next slide. Um, and Jesus is not a hot potato. That's why I call this. Because Pilate doesn't want to deal with it. See, Pilate's now stuck with a problem because, you see, there's a lot of Jews in Israel for Passover. You know, see? And, and he's already kind of on hot water with, you know, and he wants to keep the peace. So he doesn't want, on his time, in his jurisdiction, any riot, any upheaval, any... No, no. Not with the amount of people that are around. Not with... You know, he had a reputation, by the way, of, you know, <laughs> letting things get out of hand, so to speak. So he, he wants this time of Passover to be as peaceful as possible. So the last thing he wants is a bunch of people on his front porch shouting at him. You know what I'm saying? Getting the people all hot-headed and all, you know, anxious and all, you know, ready to cause a riot. Yeah? He wants to keep the peace. But lo and behold, here comes the Sanhedrin with Jesus. <sighs> Poor Pilate. But then again, Pilate, like everyone else here, has to make decisions. What am I going to do with Jesus? And again, all of us have to say the same things or ask ourselves the same thing. What are we going to do with Jesus? Okay? Pilate, as we're going to see here, I don't think he handled Jesus right. You saw he's, his character, but he didn't respond well. However, like we said before, this is all a part of God's plan. He has to yeah, he has to execute Jesus, because that's what God wanted. That's what God wants. God wants Jesus on the cross for our sake. So again, Pilate, like other tools in this, the, the picture that we see here, being used either positively or negatively, Pilate's just a tool, but he's being used negatively. It's unfortunate. We see Judas as well being used negatively. But we also see a lot of positive things. And I, I would hope that we would want to be positive 
tools and not negative ones. So in Luke 23, 4, before we get into Matthew, we see this kind of hot potato situation where Pilate, then Herod, then Pilate again. And it says in Luke 23, 4, and Pilate announced the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against man. So here they are, they're bringing Jesus to, to Pilate, and Pilate goes, you have no charge. It's a no-brainer. We see it. The, the writers of the Gospels are, are making it very clear unto us, and Pilate himself says there's no charge. I can't, I, I can't punish him. I certainly can't crucify him. There's no real charge here. But they insisted, and again, he's scared politically because he's like, I don't want upheaval. I don't want these people to get out of control and cause problems for me. And that's what they said. But they insisted. And they're using these words very carefully to, to, to manipulate Pilate. He stirs up the people. You know what? The people all stirred up to you, Pilate. Be done with them and you'll have peace. That's what you want at this time with all the Jews here for the Passover in Israel. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and he's come all the way here. Wait, did you say Galilee? Wait, did he say Galilee? Well, he's not my problem. He's someone else's problem. Uh, solution. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he heard that, Jesus was under not his jurisdiction, but Herod's, the other guy, his jurisdiction. He sent him to Herod, or Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. See, it's a very exciting time. So it would be likely that Herod and other political figures would be there at the time, you know, because it was a very interesting time. It's a big time of the year for, you know, for, for that, that the region. And so Herod happened to be there, hanging out in his little you, um, Jerusalem holiday home. And then, you know, Pilate goes, go deal with it. Herod will deal with it. It's Herod's problem, not mine. Oh, that was a close one. So then Herod sees Jesus. And he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been waiting to see him. From, from what he had heard about him, he had hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. So like many other people who did follow Jesus around, like the 5,000 and the 4,000 who had their tummies fed, but then when Jesus got to the nitty-gritty, they disappeared. You know, when he was arrested, they were nowhere to be found, you know. Here it was like one of those. Oh, I'm very interested in Jesus. Jesus is a curious kind of fella. And still today, many people look at Jesus in a curious kind of way. You know, Jesus is an interesting fella. I liked what he, his teachings, he certainly wasn't the son of God, but I liked his teachings. I like his ethics. Well, it, you can't say that because then his ethics are all upside down because he said he was a son of God. And you're not going to take the ethics from a liar, are you? I mean, I wouldn't want to <laughs> learn ethics from a liar because that's unethical. But yet Jesus said he was the son of God, the Messiah. But again, Herod doesn't care about that stuff. He wants to see him perform. Jesus, heard you perform. Come on, perform. Entertain me. I want to be stimulated. Inspire me, Herod says. Does Jesus perform? Does Jesus do that? Not on demand. We can't expect Jesus to perform on demand. So he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there. So Jesus didn't give him nothing. He didn't even give him a word. And then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed him, mocked him, dressed him in an elegant robe, and sent him back to Pilate. So they're probably a little bit offended, a little bit upset. Oh, you're not going to, don't you know who I am? I could have you crucified. Jesus knew he was going to be crucified at some point, And he also knew it wasn't going to be by the hands of Herod. So he just sat there and goes, do what you're going to do. 
And so Herod probably got really upset and offended by it because, you know, he didn't intimidate Jesus. So he mocked him instead. Well, if you're not going to comply with me, I'm going to mock you. I'm going to laugh at you and I'm going to let my soldiers do what they want with you. But then there goes Jesus from Herod back to Pilate. Next slide, please. And that will take us to where we are this morning in Matthew. So Matthew 27, 11 to 14, which is our text today. Now that we've got a little bit of introduction to that text. We can examine that text. It says, meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor, that's Pilate, of course, he asked him, are you the king of the Jews? So here's the charge. Okay, but wait a second. Did we already look at the charge earlier? It wasn't the charge that he said he was the son of God? That's not what the Sanhedrin charged him with. This is a new charge. What's this all about? This is, this is what the Jews have, have sold, the Sanhedrin. Okay, these disobedient Jews, if you will. This is what they have sold, Pilate. Huh, the Messiah. This is the Messiah. The Messiah is the Son of God, blasphemy. But also the Messiah is the king to deliver us. So we can say that he's going to deliver us from Rome. So he's going to be a, ah, we'll use treason. Because Rome will take treason very seriously. Especially Pilate, because Pilate doesn't want to see an upheaval. So if he says he's the king, he's going to get to unite the people. And the people are going to fight and rise up against Rome. Ah, this is it. It'll scare Pilate as well as it's a legitimate charge of treason. So that's what we'll do. And it's true. And if you look at my notes down here, okay, the charges before Christ are similar but different. They're similar in that Jesus had claimed to be the Messiah. And it's true the Messiah is the Son of God and the King of Jews. And we know Jesus agrees it's true because he did say, you have said so, which is another way of saying, yes, that's right, I have said that. So Jesus agrees with it. The Messiah is the Son of God. The Messiah is the King of the Jews. But it's funny how people manipulate and twist things. You know what I'm saying? And that's what they're doing. First of all, it's not a lie that he's the, that he's the Messiah. It's not a lie that he's the Son of God. But that's the charge that they're going to use against him, this blasphemy. But here again, Jesus never intended. He could have called down a legion of angels at any moment and caused a war. And trust me, when, when God is ready, he will send Jesus to cause war against the enemy, okay? He, and it's not going to be a contest. It's not going to be a let's crucify Jesus kind of situation. It's going to be let's fall on our faces in fear of God type of situation. So if Jesus wanted to make war on Rome, it would have been done. And Pilate couldn't have stopped it. So it's funny, but that's not Jesus' intention. Jesus' intention was to submit to the cross, I'm ready. Do what you got to do. Say what you got to say. Let's get this going. So the two but similar distinctions. Again, the, the Sanhedrin, they saw him as the son of God. Blasphemy. The king of Jews. They see the Messiah charge as being, you know, a, a, a charge of treason against Rome. So when he accused, when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, so after this, here's a charge. Are you the king of Jews? Jesus said, yes, let's go. But no, they wanted to keep on talking about it. You know, they are fired up, they're passionate. And he did this, and he did that, and he did this, and he did that, and he you know, don't like how he looks and his hair and his sandals and uh, and, and, and the pilot's like, do you not hear what they're saying about you? Are you not going to answer them? No, I'm not wasting my time with these guys. I'm ready. I understand what has to happen. I'm ready to go. So he says nothing. And this, of course, amazes the governor because if someone's standing and in, in being charged with a, an offense that could lead to crucifixion, you know, execution, you know, um, certainly they would want to say something to, to save themselves. 
But Jesus didn't say a thing. He understood his, his, his God's will. He understood what, he, what had to be done. And this blew Pilate's mind, especially because Pilate knew that he was an innocent man. And you figure an innocent man would certainly want to fight for his right. So if you look at the next slide, uh, Pilate tried this thing really tricky. Really tricky. Pilate was trying to be, I'm going to do you a favor, Jesus. I'm going to hook you up, Jesus. I got a, I got a plan. I got an idea. Hold on, Jesus. We're going to get you off of this. But here's the funny, it's, and it's ironic what happens here. Very ironic what happens here. Because what Pilate meant to rescue Jesus by here, but what happened, it backfired. But the beauty behind what actually happens here is something I think we could all devotionally take away this morning with. Okay, so what he does here is this, in, in verse 15. It says, now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowds. So he thought, you know what? I'll take out the worst kind of scum. This guy is criminal, okay? I'm going to take him out, and I'm going to say, here. Remember what this guy did to you, how he killed all your, your, your people, and he was, he's just, he, he's a nightmare. You, you hate this man, Barabbas. You hate him. Well, certainly, he'll, they'll, they don't want him back. They want to see him die. Because just Jesus guy, I mean, what's he really done? Yeah, maybe he stepped on someone's toe. Maybe he has offended someone. But he never killed anyone. He never hurt anyone. So certainly they'll, they'll, they don't want Barabbas back. Certainly they would want Jesus back. Certainly they'll forgive Jesus. Certainly what he did couldn't be as bad as Barabbas. That's his thinking. So, so here, here he goes. Okay, at that time they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. Now, the NIV 2011, I don't know why, but they put his name Jesus Barabbas. Some of the old transcripts have that, Jesus Barabbas. That's a very common name, by the way, Jesus. Very common name at that time. So, so the transcripts kind of disagree. So some translations have it, some don't. I'm not going to waste time with it. I'm just going to call him Barabbas, okay? So here's this Barabbas fellow, okay? In Mark 15, 7, it, it has more information of Barabbas. He was called Barabbas. He was in prison with the insurrectionists, you know, fellow rioters, violent men who committed murder in the uprising. So it's not just uprising, a uprising, but in the uprising. So something, he was involved with something big that caused a lot of problem. A real sinner, someone who took from people not someone like Christ who gave to people. So you see, if you look at him ethically, you might think, well, I don't, we don't want Barabbas in this type of round. We'd rather have Jesus. But that's, that's, well, that's Pilate's thinking. But the thing is, though, the, the envy, the hate the, that, 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 that the Sanhedrin had against Jesus was so strong that he couldn't convince him elsewise. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked him, which one do you want me to release, Barabbas or Jesus, the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest. The word self-interest is another word we can define as envy, ill will, as detraction. In other words, jealousy, spite. Very commonly found throughout the scriptures, the word envy. And here's a couple examples. First, or rather Titus 3.3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy. So this envy, hating one another, being hating and hating one another, being hated, you know, is envious. It's a negative vice of a character. And that's, they were self-consumed with this self-interest, with this envy. First Peter describes it this way. Therefore, rid yourself, rid yourself. It's, it's cancerous, it's dangerous 
of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So they were consumed like a cancer of this envy. They hated Jesus. And so, yeah, we hate him so much. We want him to die. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. We know he killed people. He killed our children. He killed our brothers. He killed our sisters. But you know what? We hate Jesus so much more that we would rather take Barabbas. Next slide. So substitution. You see, that cross there. Substitution. What, what does substitution mean to you? What does substitution mean to me? You see, there's a cross there waiting to go. Okay? There's a price that needs to be paid. There's someone needs to hang on that cross. It should have been that, well, that's an actor. <laughs> but, you know, Barabbas. I just put that picture up because just to get our minds, you know, thinking about, the, you know, the kind of guy that walked free in Jerusalem while Jesus hung on the cross, right? Substitution. See, the interesting thing is, I like this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Corinthians 5 is all about the ministry of reconciliation. It's all about being brought back to God's side. It's all about being reconciled with God. We have fallen away from God because of our sin. We've become enemies. We found ourselves in a very desperate, dark situation. But God wants to bring us back as friends. He wants to reconcile with us. And in order for that to happen, the heart of reconciliation, the possibility of reconciliation, the bridge of reconciliation is Christ. Christ on the cross. So it says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, had no sin, to be sin. To be like that guy. To be like us and other Egypts out there who are sinners. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Next slide, please. So, something to think about, guys. The Romans made three crosses that day. Okay, they prepared three crosses. They made one for Barabbas as well, guys. So think about, when we think about the, th- the three crosses, imagine Barabbas being the one in the middle. That, that's what was supposed to happen that morning, guys. But there was a substitution. You, you know, in like in sports or in school, you have a substitute come in, right? Someone come in and place. They made one for Barabbas. However, God intended that cross, not for Barabbas, but God wanted that cross for his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus hung on Barabbas' cross. It wasn't really Barabbas' cross. It was Jesus' cross. The Romans may have thought it was Barabbas' cross when they made it, but we all know, and God intended, so God knew that that cross is for Jesus. So while Barabbas is walking around freely in Jerusalem, laughing, enjoying his freedom, Jesus sat on that cross and died. Substitution. So us, too, we can kind of put ourselves, if we use our imagination, metaphorically speaking, on that cross. That cross should have been for me. That cross should have been for you because of the sin that I commit, because of the sin you commit. But instead, Jesus substituted. He took us off the cross. So you see the irony with the whole Barabbas situation? Here, who's going to die on the cross and who's going to be free? Well, Barabbas was let free. The sinner was let free. You and I are sinners, let free. Jesus took the price. Jesus hung. He took the cross that would belong to you. He took the cross that belonged to Barabbas. He took the cross that belonged to me. Next slide, please. But what we don't want to be is like Pilate. 
He saw the beauty of Jesus. He saw the innocence of Jesus, but he still turned his back on Jesus. It says in Matthew 27, 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat. See, he had a, sitting on the judge's seat, he had to make a decision. So right now, many of us might be sitting on the judge's seat in a metaphorical sense to make a decision about Jesus. I need to make a decision about Jesus. So you might feel like Pilate, like you're sitting on this judge's seat. And, he, and his wife sent him a message. And so there might be messages coming to you about the integrity of who Jesus really is. Like Pilate. His wife sent him a message and said, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. I.e., let him go. Let him go. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. So the message came. Don't be associated with the execution of that innocent man. Let him go. You have a choice to make. And so we all have a choice to make. How are we going to handle Jesus? Pilate had a choice to make. How is he going to handle Jesus? But because of political pressure. And we have lots of pressures. Peer pressure. Intellectual pressure. Pride pressures. Sinful desire pressures. You know, pressures. Things that will keep us. That will influence our judgment. That's what happened to him. The political pressure influenced his judgment. The chief priests, the elders, persuaded the crowd. So they fired the crowd up. That thing that Pilate didn't want to happen started to happen. And he started chanting, give us Barabbas and have Jesus executed. He knew, Pilate knew deep down inside what to do, but, but he succumbed to the pressure of politics. Which of you, do you guys want me to release, he asked one last time. And they all answered very definitively, Barabbas. What shall I do then? And that's a good question. What shall I do? What shall you do? What shall we do? with Jesus, who is the Messiah. And that's the bottom line. Do we believe that Jesus is the Messiah or not? Are we going to let the cares of the world, the pressures of the world, influence our opinions and judgments about Jesus? You see, Pilate did. And Pilate says, okay, guys, I'll let you decide for me. And you, I hate to say it, no one, you can't blame anyone for making your decision for you because we're all responsible individually for our decisions that we make. So he tried to be clever here. And he says, well, it's your fault. Who do you say? I'm not going to make a decision. But it's the thing is, it's, it's his decision. He can't blame anyone else. He's on the judge's seat. Who do, what do you want? I'm going to do the political thing. I kill him. Okay, then. And so he gets this, this, is re, this is really clever thing. Well, first of all, he asks, well, why? What crime is he committed? So he knew he's innocent. He tried to plead with the people. It didn't work. They shouted louder and louder and louder, and they started getting really crazy. He's getting really scared here because he doesn't want to have a riot on his hand. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So then he gets really clever here. And while Pilate saw that he was getting absolutely nowhere, he was trying to convince the people. But he's getting nowhere. Instead, this uproar, and the thing he didn't want to happen was happening right before his eyes. And so he goes, I have no choice. Well, of course, if, if he was a man of integrity and he trusted in God, he would have, the choice would have been clear. Let Jesus go. He's an innocent man. But he chose poorly. And we know he was a tool, you know, a, a negative tool, as we said. But he chose poorly. And he did something really clever. He starts washing his hands and saying, I am innocent. Of his man's blood is your responsibility. Now, those are clever words, but they're not true. We all have to make a decision. We can't blame other people for our decisions. 
You see, it's my mom's fault. I don't believe in Jesus. Oh, it's my friend's fault. I don't believe in Jesus. Oh, it's my, it's because of what I studied in university. That, that's the reason why I don't believe in Jesus. Oh, it's because someone told me about the problem of pain and it's so compelling that I can't believe in Jesus. Well, you can't believe in that because you and you alone sit on this judgment seat like Pilate and have to make a choice. You can't blame other people and wash your hands. Well, when I stand before God, like, who was it, that famous skeptic? Um, I don't know if it's Bertrand Russell or David Hume. They say, when I stand before God, I will say there was never enough evidence. Thinking that he's clever. And God will say, oh, I didn't think of that. On you go, come to heaven. Rubbish. There's no excuses. We have to make the choice ourselves. We have enough information. We have to make a choice ourselves. We cannot put the decision-making power in another person's hands. He tried to do that. But the reality is he made the choice, and it ends by saying this. So people answered, and this is really sick and twisted in my opinion, his blood be honest in our children. That, I don't want to even go into that, because that's just sick and twisted. Why would you even say that? I don't know. And what is it even, what's the implications? What's happened because of that? It's just so sad, isn't it, guys? So he released Barabbas. And here's, again, is the beautiful irony behind it. Barabbas is free so Jesus can be flogged and then hang on the, the tree, hang on the cross. Barabbas was freed. Jesus died on the cross. Now take out Barabbas' name and put your name in there. Now he released Scott. Jesus was flogged and handed over to be crucified. Put your name in there. Because that's the beautiful irony of it. It's a sad story. It's a sad situation. But it had to happen. Jesus had to die so that I could be set free. So that I could be reconciled. We look at the ministry of reconciliation. The heart of it is the substitution. Jesus had to die in my place so that I could be reconciled. Next slide, please. So Jesus, the, the spotless, perfect lamb, his life substituted my life. His perfect, sinless life took the place on the cross that I, Barabbas, and others should be hanging on. We're going to continue the story next week um, as it unfolds. And, it is, and I'm going to warn you guys right now, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, the this, this, this story of, of his persecution and his dying on the cross. But, but, but bear with me. It gets good. Because you see, after he dies, death is conquered. He rises again the third day. You know, you know how it goes. I don't have to tell you because, you know, spoiler alert, you know how it goes, right? You know how it goes. But, but, but hang in with me. It's going to get a bit dark before it gets light again, okay?